Okay. So hi everyone and welcome to Architecture in the Den with me, your host, Lisa Rains, founder of Pride Road uh, Architects, the architectural practice franchise. And today um, I'm delighted to welcome um, Roger Wu on all the way from Hong Kong. Uh, so Roger and I met virtually recently um, through uh, campaigning for the RI, for, through my campaigning for the architect, the RIBA uh, council elections. So that's how, kind of how we got in touch, but it's yes. always, uh, I'm kind of, very interested to find out a bit more about you as a as an architect as a person and kind of thoughts around the riba so um let me in uh, sort of hand it over to you and just ask just ask you to introduce yourself okay thank you very much lisa uh, it's my pleasure to join you here on this platform and um um introduce myself okay well i um the reason why you are listening to me all the way from Hong Kong is because well I I studied architecture in the UK um, many many years ago um, graduated um, and then worked in the UK for ooh, about 17 18 years so so where did you where did you study in the UK I, oh I studied both my degrees in Bath um, right. uh, actually I was lucky enough um, well you know in my first couple of years I had uh, professor um, uh, Tan Happel, when he was still alive, as what my, uh, you know, one of the people teaching us uh, mm -hmm. uh, building engineering. So um, that was, you know, I was uh, at the tail end of when the architectural school and the engineering school was very closely knit. Mm. And um, it was, although it was very technical, but it was kind of creatively technical, as it were. Mm. Mm. And um, so I got caught the tail end of that. So um, what, what, what drew you to Bath in the first place? <laughs> well, I actually, funny enough, studied architecture. No, I did my O levels and A levels in Bath, um, and um, because all my um, O levels and A levels were very science based, I'm, I'm a kind of a, you know, um, Professor Happel used to say that. that well, or actually, he, he once wrote, I think it was him, that there are two types of people: um, you're either a romantic or a rationalist, mm. and I'm very clearly a rationalist. Um, therefore. Um, at that time, when I was designed to do architecture at A level, my, my, my tutor said, Look, um, or the career master kind of said, Look, um, you know, you're pretty good at science, you're pretty good at kind of logic, you're pretty good at technical things. So, Bath is ideal for you because it is very kind of, um, you know, sort of if, if there is ever is a spectrum of different types of schools in the UK, you know, you know the likes of the AA and, and, and the UCL would be at one end of the scale and, and that. The bath would, would have been at the other end of the scale. So, so that's you know, I looked around and um, you know, I went to Bath, and um, it certainly suited me to the T. Um, certainly in the first year, because in the first year, we as a as a as a you know, all the engineers had to do a project with the architects. Or, or, or no, actually, the first year we went through the same design studios, right. and the, and the architects had to go to all the engineering classes. Mm -hmm. So, so it was, uh, you know, it was very interesting. And then at the end of the degree, we had to do a joint project uh, with the engineer. So what we designed had to be kind of structurally kind of um, assessed and environmentally assessed as in, as in building services. So, so it was a bit like a real world. Um, some see it as a hindrance, some see it as a, 
as a kind of uh, you know well, it's quite creative in its in, in its own way. So um, uh, that's why I went to Bath. Um, so it wasn't um, you know it was it was good actually. I enjoyed it very much. Enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and you mentioned kind of you did O levels and A levels. So yeah. um, were you the kind of one of the last years of O levels? Sorry. Were you one of the last years of O levels then? Oh no, I I I I I look much older, younger than I am actually. Um, so so uh, no, not one of the last. I, I <laughs> I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to age. <laughs> uh, no, I, I no, it was. I don't think so. I mean, I think um, it still went on for quite a few years after I. Found okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not asked for a date of birth yet. <laughs> not yet. Maybe you'll work it out by the end of it. But anyway. But, uh... So no, I mean I, I I mean actually after you know I after my study in Bath, I mean the good thing about Bath is that it, it was uh, in the, certainly in the first degree is like what it calls thin sandwich course. Mm. So at the end of a second, third, and fourth year, you do your placements mm. for at least six months, so five to six months. So so you don't do your placement in one big chunk. So so it, it's kind of broken down. You you can do your placement in two. You know, you have three opportunities to do two lots of six months mm. to make a couple of whole year. So I did, I worked all three, you know, all, all three um, occasions. So I worked for a large commercial firm to a, um, you know, there was another firm, which is the three, my three bosses, they were partners and me. So I did everything else. Um, and then I worked for um, a, a, a sort of a medium sized company. So, so my first, sort of a placement was a kind of big range. And um, before I joined Bath, I did a couple of summers of um, summer work in Hong Kong, uh, in, in architectural practice in Hong Kong as well. So, so, so I have a kind of quite an interesting rounded view about what it's like to work in, a, in an office at, or not, as the case may be. I remember when I was, one of the best thing I remember working for a big commercial firm, that was my first placement after year two was that every Wednesday or Thursday, we can take the afternoon off to go and play cricket because they have a cricket team. And, uh, you, know, at, you know, what more could you ask for, you know, at, for your placement, you know? And uh, so that was, um, that was fun. So, um, and then I did my second degree and I ended up working in the UK, working in London for uh, 16, 17 years. And most of it was with one firm for 16 years. And then I came to Hong Kong about 10 years ago. and. Uh, and here I am. So 16, 17 years in London yeah. and then Hong Kong. Yeah, 10 years. 10 so, years you can work so you're what 27 years experienced? Pretty much that, yeah. Experience. <laughs> okay. I started young. Yeah, I'm getting there. Oh dear. I, I, I remember I sorry, going off from architecture, my uh, my mother-in-law for some reason managed to um think I was a decade younger than I actually was okay. <laughs> and I was like right so I, I, clearly she didn't understand architectural training <laughs> so I'm a qualified architect with you know at the time what 18 years experience with okay. three kids how yeah. can you think that I'm actually you know <laughs> No, because maybe maybe, maybe we have a very you know sometimes I think I think we have a uh, sometimes architects are very um, what's the word um, not naive but they're very idealistic 
kind of um, way of looking at the world. Mm. And uh, sometimes that's mistaken for naivety, you know. I think so this sometimes. is this is after all seven years of education and uh yeah and, but i mean you, you still think that you can save the world you know keep, it keeps us young <laughs> yes. Yes. so um so where were you working in london and then what took you to hong kong well i worked in um you know when i graduated it was mm. it was it was a pretty tough time actually i worked, almost worked for about a year with no pay Ooh. and that was tough yeah i mean so I think, how, I think... how, how did you get a job there were you just Going out. Oh, it was my tutor. To, I hate to say it, it was my tutor at university. Yeah, quite. But I mean, no, I think I think I think it was a really tough time, and I still remember. And then after a year, I couldn't. I, I really couldn't do it anymore. So I just said, look, you know, um, I, I need to go and do something else. So I took. I, I just stopped, and then, and then luckily I found something within a couple of months. It was just by chance. Um, it was. Um, it was probably well. Probably one of the very few jobs that was uh, 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 being advertised in the whole of London at the time, because I remember, I remember that was uh, I wouldn't, I, you know, I remember the, the the interview very clearly. We had, um, you know, we we were told, we, we, it, uh, you know, it was just really showing my age. It was uh, really almost like a compliment slip with a typewriter, you know, typed up, and very very short. And you say, um, please come at this at this date to this this place. And pre, I mean the exact word is, be prepared for concise, concise interview. All right, okay. So, 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 I went with my portfolio under my arm and you know all dressed up and so on. Went in, went to a reception. There was about 20, 30 people there waiting at the same time. And then we then we all kind of shuffled into this big conference room, and then we were promptly told, told, well now you can leave your leave your portfolio here. And come back with a couple of hours. Now, what was very interesting was that um, at that time in that location, it was actually nothing around there. There's nothing open at that time, nine o'clock in the morning. So about 20 of us all kind of huddled together in a, I think it was a wimpies or something like that. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and had a coffee and waited and kind of twiddled our thumb, you know, sizing each other out. What are we gonna do? You know, and then. And and then we we showed up after after an hour or two, um, and then the guy who was in charge in the office so read the list, said this this and this person please stay behind, and the rest can collect your portfolio. And thank you very much for coming. So so, so just, Yeah, it was it was like you know, but but they weren't wrong. They said be prepared for a concise interview. Yeah, so yeah. they weren't promising an interview. They said, be prepared, so you may or may not, and it will be a, a concise interview. It was so concise, they, they just said, okay, now these people, you've been selected to go through the next round. Um, I think it was a Tuesday or something like that. So come back on a Friday, and you this time, you this time, this time. So we could give it a half hour time slot on a Friday. As it turned out, because they had so many uh, applications, because that was probably the only job that was going around the whole of London. That they did that for about three days. So, so they, they obviously seen all the all the CVs, and then they've chosen about 60 or 70 people to did, did over three days to do this exercise to yeah. kind of leave through the portfolio quickly. And then select about 10 to 15 to come back on a Friday to kind of to see us for half an hour each. And I don't know what I did right. I managed to get the job at the end, but but it was it was it was quite tough, you know. 
it was very very tough and 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 i must say i mean i i i you know it, it was uh but you know i ended up working there for 16 17 years yeah and and um, <laughs> did you ever then go and <laughs> go and but, but I mean they did get a bit of tables and do that. that on students yourself after that or did you think that was inhumane? <laughs> no, I mean I think I think I think um, that you know I mean I, I funny enough I at the end I in that same practice I ended up being at one period of time I ended up being in charge of HR. Yeah. And obviously, I didn't, I didn't repeat that exercise because they did get a bit of complaint. Because you see, the problem is a lot of people think that, you know, I kind of, I kind of understood that because you see, um, a lot of people thought that, well, it's not fair because I need to explain to you my portfolio. I need to show you everything in order for that you to understand what I am about. But actually, if I look at it from the practice point of view, they actually knew exactly what they wanted because mm -hmm. there was a project that desperately needs somebody to work on. Yeah. And they knew exactly what they wanted and they knew exactly that what they don't want are people that need to talk too much about what they do, but they want people to be able to do what they do without talking too much yeah. about it. Yeah. So, so they knew exactly what they want. So in many ways, they, they were just kind of being efficient about it. Mm. And even the people who kind of had to talk about their portfolio to perform in front of the portfolio, probably isn't the people that they want Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely, and the portfolio, if, if there are architectural students listening here, you know, a portfolio is, it's a method of communication. Architectural drawings are a communication tool. So uh, it does need to be able to communicate without you. And it's, it's tough at the moment for people to get, to get jobs. Um, but I, a real life portfolio is a rarity, but still very important. So I would always recommend people to keep hold of a, a real life portfolio. So yeah, um, but, yeah. But I mean, I think I think I think in many ways, um, you know, uh, you know, think about it. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't really, you know, if you really feel strongly about the fact that you are the sort of person or your work is a sort of work that really needs that person in front of it to present, then. Then that's okay, because in a way there are, you know, there are as many types of architects as there are types of oranges. If you think about it, yep. I mean, there are okay, you know, if, if that's really you, I mean, you, the person, and the work is so intertwined together, you can't separate the two. Then that's you, and 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 you know, good luck. You know, you you might, you know, I'm sure you'll be able to find a position for you somewhere. And 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 so long as you understand that, I don't think there's a problem with that. So, um, and what took you to Hong Kong? It's a combination of things. I mean, I think um, when I left the the UK, the, the economy was pretty um, bad. And say, you know, I mean, I, it's sort of my, my, my career in, the, in London was booked in by kind of you know sort of a, uh, you know bad times economically, mm -hmm. um, and and also. Um, it was it was an opportunity. Um, the, the, another firm was trying to set up a company in Hong Kong, or, or they had a big project, and they wanted to set up their office. They've already started setting up a, a team in Hong Kong, but they want to grow it. So at that time, it, it just said, you know, in a previous office I worked for for about sixteen years, I luckily or half of that it actually went very quickly. But that, that's seventeen years. Half of that, eight years of which was back of house. So I did a lot of things like, and I said this from 
bulk roll to payroll, I've done it. You know, and, and so I knew how to run an office or, or I knew how a UK, you know, how, how, how a Brit, you know, how a kind of UK architectural practice is run. Yeah. Um, when I started the practice, it was 18 of us. And yeah. then on the left, it was about 120. So I kind of went through the growing pains as well. Okay, so, yeah. so, so it was exactly the sort of skills that they were looking for to, to run yeah. a, a studio in, in Hong Kong. And, um, and the other eight years when I was doing projects, I had the experience of working abroad a lot. I, you know, um, I think, yeah, I, I pretty much, apart from the Antarctica, I probably worked on every continent. Um, you know, uh, well, actually, no, Australia, I haven't either. So, so I've had a lot of international experience, and therefore, um, it was, it was, it was everything all, all coming together for me to take on that role to lead a Hong Kong studio of a UK practice in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a, it's it, you know, almost six months before I left the London, left London. You know, the idea of going to Hong Kong hadn't, or the idea of leaving London hadn't really crossed my mind at all. So it was a pretty sudden kind of thing. And, and you know, here I am after 10 years. I'm sorry, I've just, I've just had a thought. One thing I like to do with clients and I like to is just see where they are. So I've got Google Earth open. So what's your okay. address at the moment? Let's see where you are. Okay, if you, if you type 15A. 15A. Type uh, space. Yeah, T-I, T-A-I. Yeah. T-A-I space H-A-N-G road. Uh, yeah, that the first one. Okay, lovely. Let's see where you are. Yeah. All the way there, 6,000 miles. Ooh. Yeah. So are you in you one see? of these tower blocks? No, I'm, I'm actually exactly where it says Hall Power Mansion. If you oh, zoom yeah. In, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you zoom in there, if you can, I'm ex- I'm right in that building there. Wow. Yeah. Um. Um. If if you uh, yeah, it's it's basically um. It, it, it's kind of a zoom into to to exactly where I am now. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So, so to continue the story, I for mm-hmm. by, by hook or by crook, um, having back been back to Hong Kong, I I've been kind of um, been identified as a I hate to use that word, but heritage conservation expert. Right. Okay. Um, yes. I mean, as you can imagine, when you're working in London, um, half the time, even though it was a new building, you kind of dealing with old things. Mm. So, so I remember when I was working, when we when I, it, 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 for any project in the office, it, when we were working, the first thing we did was to actually look up old maps, mm. well, dating from day one, you know, sort of, you know, so, so, so in order to find out the context, you know, the historic context and, and the social context, and, and, and in many ways, heritage conservation, it is about context, if anything. Mm-hmm. So, so. So anyway, I mean, I, from, from that practice, again, because of my international experience, I've, I've done, I've been involved with heritage conservation projects from Russia to North Africa to, I've done a, I've, I've been involved with a conservation or, or, or adaptive reuse of a Frank Lloyd Wright building in Florida. Mm. So, 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 um, you know, I have a little bit of experience in that. And, mm-hmm. 
So when I come to Hong Kong, I kind of quickly, because of the practice as well, that, that I was leading in Hong Kong um, and the project that we were working on. So and then I, I taught a little bit at university, um, heritage conservation, and then I left the other practice and, and then I started this job, which is really to turn a old 1930s historic building in Hong Kong into a music school. Mm -hmm. And um, we opened our doors in 19, uh, 2019, and now I'm running it. So I'm kind of uh, sort of looking after the heritage program. I have staff looking at the, um, I have colleagues looking at the music program, and I'm sort of uh, yeah running it. So 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 my day job isn't necessarily um, an architect per se, mm -hmm. but because of my architectural training led me to one thing and another and another and so on and so forth. And and, and now I'm. Uh, effectively um, running an NGO that that's basically a music school that's operating from an old building. So how so so did they approach you as an architect you found out about um, their business and then you went in? Back it, it, yeah I mean they, they were looking for that was probably about seven years ago when yeah. the project was still at its kind of infancy yeah and they were looking for somebody to run it and they know that the difficulties will be in the first few years for yeah. the actual construction work and mm. so so the the foundation the the, the ngo um, knew that they need somebody who, who's kind of had that experience so, so if you like i jumped from the into the dark side to the dark side which is the client side um to run that and it was great i have a team of um consultants so i tell them what to do including the architect and um, and and anyway, I mean, I think I think it's good. I mean, I think because of that, and uh, I I have had experience of heritage conservation in Hong Kong as well by that time. So you know, the the certainly the all that communication between the design team, the um, the, the the foundation, the people in the foundation as well, and the contractor and the government was a lot more straightforward. So it doesn't you know it didn't really have to you know you know because. There, there was a lot of, uh, you know, yeah, it, it made it a lot more. Wow. That, that how, area. How, how does that sustain financially in this area? Very, very well. Now, I mean, it's basically a um, the, the property is now now. You see this area here. You know, this building, the, the building I'm in, is pretty tiny there, but yeah. but it's a big story behind it. You know, there are three towers. Yeah. And there is kind of greenish towers, and then there's a, gr a brownish tower at the back. All of that used to be what's called a Tiger Farm Garden. Basically, right. the family who built this house were the family who started Tiger Farm. You know that 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 little ointment. Yes. So so they they built a Tiger Farm Garden and their own house in this vicinity, and yep. Tiger Farm Garden was open to public for free from 1930s until it was closed in 2001. Yeah. The reason why it was closed was because the family sold all that land to the developer who built the things behind it. Yeah. And and demolished the Tiger Balm Garden. Right. And kept the house and a tiny little thing that's left is now um, uh, they they gave it to the government. Yeah. So it's government owned. Yeah. So we we um so we are working in a way is a is a is a partnership program working with the government, and they pay for all the renovation. Right. And uh, we um, and uh, we 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 have we pay a Papacon rent, and um, they they have some subsidy for the first two years, and 
And in the third year, we have to be, now we are just starting, you know, we just finished the first quarter of the third year, and we're supposed to be, uh, this year onwards, we'll have to be self-sustaining. In other words, we have to look for funding from other, other sources. Wow. <laughs> what, a, what a crazy environment. It is. It, it's you have to come here to 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 really believe it. I mean, it, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I think I think Hong Kong is a is a kind of funny sort of old place. I mean, you know, you, you know, I mean, this says it all because you know you've got the density, uh, yeah. incredible density. Yeah. But yeah, look at it next to it. It's 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 almost like a forest. Yes. Yes. And then and then you've got this little kind of Chinese kind of eclectic piece of architecture wedged into all sorts of. Kind of, um, you know, the view out from from, the, from our building, you see architecture from the last five decades. Yeah, and you see high-rise buildings which are which are kind of high-end residential, and they're just a spitting distance away is a, is a, is a, is, a, is a housing estate. You know, can you, you know, sort of subsidized housing estate. Can you can you show us out the window? Uh, actually, the where I am, we don't. I don't have a view. I'm right in a kind of dungeon. Are you? Well, actually, I'm on a lower ground floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so the window here, uh, yeah. you can't really, there isn't, uh, well, besides, it's all frosted, the window. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. Right. Well, no, you think if, if you happen to be in Hong Kong or any, any anybody happen to be in Hong Kong um, listening to this, uh, you're always welcome to come and have a look at the mansion. It's open seven days a week. Um, the area, some area, the interpretation area and the garden is open for free um, every, every day of the week. And then we have six guided tours a week. Mm -hmm. And if you know me, um, I can personally take you around um, <laughs> for a tour. I would love to. <laughs> One day I will take you up on that offer. So, mm -hmm. um, so we met through the RIBA. So how did you get involved? Um, with the RIBA, a long story again. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, I because I was I was born in Hong Kong, so 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 even when I was studying, I used to come back a lot, quite a bit. Um, um, so I just I remember um, back in uh, two thousand. I can't. Wait, how long ago was that? Let me just think. Uh, um, Nineteen. 1996 around that time or you know when I went that time when I came to Hong Kong or even a bit later maybe 2003 you know I, I, you know you know one or the other trip I, I came to Hong Kong um, and I went to a function um, hosted by the AIA Hong Kong chapter mm -hmm. when it first started and then I kind of thought well oh no it, it must have been 2003 it must have been around 2003 that kind of that time and I remember well, why wasn't there a RIBA Hong Kong chapter? Mm. Um, but I mean, even then, I kind of feel well, it's a bit odd. There was an AIA Hong Kong chapter. There wasn't an RIBA Hong Kong chapter. And then when I started working in Hong Kong, there, there, a group of us were, again, you know, it's been talked about for a long time. And then a group of us sort of got together and really made that happen. Mm. And as it happened, the, the RIBA president at the time paid a visit. Um, uh, 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 Oh gosh, forgotten her name. Um, um, oh, that's really naughty, really bad of me. Uh, Ruth Reed, Angela Brady. No, it was it was uh, after Ruth. Um, uh, Angela Brady. Angela, yeah. So she was here, 
and we held a reception. We, we, we hadn't even got a Hong Kong chapter up and running at the time, but we managed to organize a, 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 a reception for her. And she said that in front of her guests in, in, in the reception was in British Council General. He said, look, um, by the end of the year, there will be our IBA Hong Kong chapter. So by the end of the year, there, there was a RIBA Hong Kong chapter. So, so I started getting involved with RIBA through that. And then, um, you know, you know, step by step. Originally, I I, I remember the one of the first thing I said was I I just in, in, in interested in organizing events for, for the members here, mm. rather than getting all involved with the politics and I, I called it the adult stuff then at the time. <laughs> so 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 um, and I, I did did a few years of that, and then I end up um, being the chairperson of the Hong Kong chapter, and then I end up um running for the uh, Asia and Australasia council seat, which I run. Um, I was in the council for three years. I, sadly, I didn't get, well, no, maybe not. I don't know whether it's sadly or not, but I didn't get re-elected a second term, um, which was, uh, so I was in the council until about just over a year ago. So um, so that's where my involvement got. And, and, and actually that three years at the RIB Council was very eye-opening, you know. Mm. I mean, you and I talked about it before. You know, you probably get the first year, you you, you know, my, my impression was the first year you kind of think, wow, it, I see, that's how the RIBA works. Oh, wow. I can never, I could never have imagined that. Oh my word, you know. And then, and then you get <laughs> used to it. Yeah, and, there's a lot of experience, I think, usually. Yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah. An exasperation. Yeah. 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 And then the second year, you, you, you kind of think, okay, well, hmm. so, okay, if, if that's how it works, what, which button do I need to press to do some getting done, mm -hmm. right? So you spend a second year figuring that out, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, so you get somewhere, and then the third year, you say, okay, well, let me do something, start doing something. And by the time you try to do something, yep. it turns up, yep. right? Absolutely. So I think, I think, I think um, I, and part of what I wanted to do Actually, by the end of the three years, um, I was getting along very well with the other um, uh, uh, three um, international council members that represented different regions of the yep. world. And there was also a, at that time, there was still an international committee and we were just about to get somewhere. So I was keen to kind of really get on with it. But, but, but obviously it, that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen, just fine. And funny enough, I, I for about, six or not for about nine months i hadn't I, I kind of dropped it i completely said look you know fine you know let i'll get on with other things so i haven't really been involved until well that i told a lie i, I kept in touch with a lot of the council members i got along with very well mm. for that year but but nothing kind of you know just chit chat and, and 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 you know catching up and so on and so forth but but then the election came and um you know i realized that um even though I'm not a council member, it doesn't mean I don't need to, I can't, you know. Engage. Yeah, engage, yeah. Because, because that's a very good word because um, in my failed campaign, uh, yeah. when I was canvassing for vote, what I did is I actually wrote a personal email to each, well, thousands of members in the region. You know, we have about, we have about 2000 members. I probably wrote about that over a thousand emails to people in this region. And I think the, the, the general um, point is that, well, actually it's funny because they never hear about anything 
from the RIBA or any mm. RIBA council members mm. until um, there's an election, okay? Um, and then they ask for your vote. And, and what are you going to do about it? What, 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 you know, you know, and, and actually what I realized is, well, yeah, we, we don't really kind of, the RIB doesn't really make any effort to engage. Now, okay, I think, I think it's the same issue, probably um, same issue with, with, with um, regional members in the UK, mm. but, but it's, it's kind of um, multiplied by 100 times um, for, for, for international members because you know, it's a bit more difficult for us to just pop in to go to RIBA North or mm. 66 Portland Place. And also a lot of the CPDs and other things are very kind of UK centric. So actually, so, um, but, but the, the thing is, I realized, well, okay, well, that may be the case. And then I think engagement, it goes both ways. Because mm, mm. you see, if you really look back, the voting um, turnout, for international member is extremely low. Is right? it? I think yeah. it's low in general though. In general it is, but the international member is even more so. Mm -hmm. So so therefore, um, you know, a lot of us don't really get engaged even on that basic level. Mm. Because say for example, if I really want to engage and if I really want to get something done, then in a, in a kind of democratic world, you vote for somebody and then you hold, you know, you say, well, look, I vote for you because you said you're going to do this for me, but, you know, where is it? You kind of keep pressuring them until they get something done or they don't, then you, you vote for something else. But, but members, if you don't exercise that right, you, you, you're not really taking the first step for engagement. Now, mm -hmm. the problem is, you know, there's about 45,000 members, the RIBA, and about 10% of them are international members, 4,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's about 2,000 in, in my region, Asian, in our region, in Asia and in Australasia. It's, uh, it's interesting that if you think about it, it's, not, it's quite substantial. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, it, you know but, but the thing is, um, we, we don't, you know, these 4,000 members, the majority of them, they, you know, they keep paying the, the, the membership fees Mm. or nothing mm. you know we, we haven't been getting a lot for the membership fee in the old days we still get sent the ARIBA journal mm. but now we don't I mean that we, the joke used to be that's probably the most expensive journals ever <laughs> yes. you know you pay what to, 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 you know 200, 200 pounds or whatever 250 pounds a year for, mm. for, for you know a magazine, you know, I don't know how long, how, you know, whatever. But anyway, so uh, so we, we, you know, but and and for for the RIBA for for the organization, I'm not saying for 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 the council or for the for the machine that is the um, there's four thousand members giving us giving them membership fee for no, they don't have to give them anything in return for years and years and years. Mm. So all of a sudden we start, oh, you know, any any of these membership. They start saying, oh, I want this, I want this. Can you do this for us? Can you do this for, for members in, you know, can you do, do the, 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 something for the, the, the six members that's in Timbuktu? It, it's almost kind of a no-brainer. You know, you've been giving us, you know, you've been giving us your membership for, for free for so long. Why, 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 why all of a sudden I need to give you anything? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that they think like that, but, but there is kind of a, 
there was a kind of inertia. There was a kind of, you know, and, and well, I think- What I think is interesting, so and I'm gonna just veer off that topic. Sure. Um, the, it seems like there's a bit of a, a melting pot in terms of the a AIA having con, con representation and then the RIBA having our, uh, representation. What's the board, uh, architectural board called in Hong Kong and China? The Hong Kong IA. The Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. So you, you did, did you mention the AIA having a, a Hong Kong chapter yeah. as well as yeah. the Hong Kong yeah. I, I. So you must be in a unique position to sort of uh, see the different types of training. Do you get involved in the AIA? I, I don't get well. I, I don't get involved, but I know them very well. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and I know the Hong Kong IA quite well too. Um, mm. I, I've you know I've, I've I've done a number of events where I've got um, got the three parties together over yes. the years so yes. you know, and, and I think you know we 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 don't I mean the RIBA we do our part three uh, exams here in Hong Kong yeah yeah um, but the AIAs is slightly different because the AIA um, they they or the training is very different than it is or, or the Hong Kong system is closer to the one in the UK mm -hmm. and because there was a lot of uh, they had there had traditionally been a quite a lot of expats yeah. in the UK, in Hong Kong, UK expats in Hong Kong. The RIBA has a much better um, reputation, if you like. Mm. I mean, in general, the RIBA brand is a much more kind of international brand um, than the AIA, because I think the AIA, um, even within America, even within the US, every state is different almost. Mm. Um, the exams and so on. So it's very difficult to export as a kind of entity. Yeah. Whereas the RIBA part three is the RIBA part three, even if you're in Timbuktu, you still have to learn about the JCT contract. Yeah. Um, if you're a member of the Hong Kong IA, can you practice in China, mainland China? No, you still have to have a proper, you know, you have to have a, a China license. A China you license. Exams for us, yeah. You have to take exams for that. Uh, yeah, qualification. Training similar, and then you have to go and do the. Yeah, it, you 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 can take courses and then you take exams. Right. Okay. And mm. I'm I'm not quite sure. I don't think you have to have practical experience like you do in a part three mm. for the China exam, but for the Hong Kong exam, you do. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you. That was really interesting. <laughs> um, so I think we'll have to start wrapping up the conversation. Um, well, that, that <laughs> yeah, I know it just goes instantly. So what's next for you in terms of architecture, RIBA, or are you going to sort of pursue this music career? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a music career because I haven't really, I'm not a music person. I haven't really, even though I'm running a school, I, must say I don't really, haven't really picked up an, a, an instrument yet, but but I will probably. I mean, I mean it's difficult um, for me to to let go because I think it's like my baby. I've seen mm -hmm. it. I, you know, it, you know, I see it come out, and probably um, maybe, maybe when it's kind of in adolescence, I'll let go. I mean, I think we we it, it's not mature enough yet for me to feel that. Look, you know, I mean, I, I mean, there are certain things I want to do 
make it better before before I hand it over to somebody else as well. There's yeah. part of that. So so I will probably care on doing that. But having said that, I, I do uh, a lot of consultancy, some consultancy work behind the scene uh, for other things. So I run my own little consultancy firm, ranging from providing heritage conservation consultancies mm -hmm. to um, you know practice from the UK doing uh, supporting a practice supporting practices in the UK doing competitions or or pitching for work in Hong Kong mm -hmm. or actually advising. I've done some advice for firms um, wanting to set up in Hong Kong um, mm -hmm. to put a market research, a bit of, bit of benchmarking, a bit of advice on them how to structure their office and so on and so forth. So, so I keep my kind of toes in the water a little bit as well. So, and, then, um, and then to bring the conversation back around, so um, where do you see your involvement with the RIBA going forward? Or where would it like, where would you like to see? Well, I actually quite enjoy being the outsider and independent. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, you know, I can say whatever I want. Whereas the kind of, when you're in a council, you kind of feel obliged to kind of defend it a little bit. If you know what I mean? <laughs> You can't, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to cause trouble, but I think, you know, I cannot, I, you, know, I, you know, I quite like, you know, the sessions that we did, I quite like to continue doing those um, mm -hmm. with council members uh, or, or not, or as the case may be, just to really like, like these podcasts, you know, we kind of, you know, and what I tend to do is have a, have somebody on in the, next to me locally and, and then somebody from, from, from on the, on the internet, um, you know, and then have a real, you know, have a, what I call, as I said, what I call a publicly private conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I enjoyed it when I came on with you and yeah. Anita, Tina. Bettina, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I think, I think we, 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 we might, you know, we can, we'll certainly, you know, and, and invite you back again one, one day if I, if I manage to get it, you know, going, you know, continue. Mm -hmm. and um, you know see how it goes okay well thank you very much for coming on um our podcast architecture in the den okay. um, oh you're welcome and um yes if you've enjoyed listening please subscribe uh, on youtube spotify um, and if you want to um, come on as a guest, please get in contact. So you can contact me through social media, Lisa Rains. Uh, you can check out my website, prideroadfranchise.co.uk and uh, see you next time. So thanks very much. Thank Bye. you very much. Lisa. Bye. Bye.